everyone, Miss Dynamite Stephanie Chase coming to you here from the editing room. It is all out week and we are just days away from the big show. But on my channel every day this week on YouTube, I have been doing a new video to celebrate all out. And I wanted to share with you the audio from this one where I was joined by Benno from the Grapple podcast to talk all about CM Punk past, present and future. Benno has been following CM Punk's career since the days of Ring of Honor and we both went through his career from Ring of Honor to WWE and now to AEW, shared some memories, thoughts on different matches and angles, really talked about what made us a fan of Punk and there were also people watching who gave their thoughts on Punk and spoke about parts of his career that they really enjoyed. So I hope you enjoy this, me and Benno talking CM Punk past, present and future. Hello everyone, happy All Out Week. It's Wednesday and we are a little less than two hours away from Dynamite. So I am live here with Benno and we have a very special show for you today because it's all about the man of the moment, CM Punk. So firstly, Benno, thank you for joining me. It feels like a long time since we've actually been on video together. Probably mm. the last time was your wrestling um, daily co-hosting with me. Uh, so mm. how, how have you been? How are you? I'm in a much better mood now after uh, we're in the midst of what? You said CM Punk, miss. I was going to say CM Punk week. I think it's CM Punk month now. So I'm feeling good, like made up to be back on the stream. I don't deserve this treatment, like this amazing banner you've got set up and stuff for uh, for all week. You've, uh, you, for you've outdone yourself once again. Oh, thank you very <laughs> much. Uh, I do. I put a lot of effort into into the graphics, um, yeah, but do. never once been complimented on, on thumbnails <laughs> or <laughs> overlays. The important stuff. There's the little bits of behind the scenes work, you know. So. Mm. It, we are talking about CM Punk here, and thank you to all of you that have joined me. I see some of my wonderful friends here, like Wasabi King, Benno. He's looking forward to your analysis, your analysis of Punk. Famous last words. I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> Who else have we got? Tanol. Hello, Tanol is in the mood for a history lesson. Let's hope our profs professors give us a good seminar <laughs> uh, i see heel hydra in the chat as well i see maddie friggin c for life in the chat oh lots of great great friends here sean is in the chat hello sean we've met sean in person yeah sean we had a couple of drinks with very sean. special viewer because we've we had a couple of drinks with sean in manchester um what was that two weekends ago it was summer yeah. weekend so Really great to meet Sean. Great, great guy. Great guy and um, great drinking buddy. Uh, we were we went to a bar with him. I made the mistake of asking for rosé. Apparently, uh, pubs in Manchester don't really serve that. No, it was kind of an ale type of pub. Like it was. It, a, was. Yeah, it was an ask. It was an ask. It was an ask. But you know me, I'm a bit uh, a <laughs> bit bougie, so gotta ask for the rosé. 
yeah i think i think you ended up going on the white wine and then they ran out of that as well i don't know what you ended up drinking you were closer to joining the up on the pints me i didn't drink them dry <laughs> white wine, okay? i'm not saying that <laughs> uh, gavin says uh, how cool are benno's posters benno your posters are really really cool any posters say the words cm punk on them you know what they don't the, the one really? this one is an roh poster that is um from later era ROH and it's signed by Nature Boy Ric Flair. I bought it for a pound, by the way. So that was a steal. <laughs> um but yeah, it's after Punk's era in ROH, unfortunately. But I've got some various PM Punk stuff over here. I've got a uh, Summer of Punk uh, Ring of Honor DVD here. He's represented. Very nice. He is represented. Um <laughs> Sean's only just uh, I've only just sobered you. <laughs> Do you mean only just sobered <laughs> up, I think? <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> Um, which cat? Which which animal? Do you mean Daryl? Oh no! Do you mean Daryl? This is Daryl. If anyone doesn't know, hi Daryl. Uh, hi, yeah, Daryl is uh, the best friend of Hiromu, uh, but he is also my best friend. My Daryl is my best friend, and yes, he he is a cat. Uh, he has pink paws, and he's super he super cute. But yeah, look uh, look him up if you've if you've not seen Hiromu with Daryl, just Google uh, Hiromu and Daryl. Um, he, Everyone should have a Daryl. My best friend, and he watches over me. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I do bring him on trips with me. Actually, I actually did bring him to Manchester when I was there for Rev Pro. So it'd be a weird thing for an adult to do, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he likes he likes being around. He likes to travel. You know, he's a mischievous lad. Um, he's a well traveled cat. He's a well traveled cat because he came all the way um, from Japan. Um, mm. to be with me so he's already well traveled but then <laughs> we have one hour 45 minutes to go to dynamite and we mm. thought we'd entertain the people before dynamite by talking about cm punk so what we're going to do guys is just kind of go through the career of cm punk like history of cm punk but not not in a full like history lesson way, just like sprinkle it with like our thoughts about punk at that time, um, stuff like that, um, how we got into punk, all this stuff. And I have Benno with me because Benno is the biggest CM Punk fan I know and the longest tenured CM Punk fan that I know. So Benno has a lot to offer here. It's gonna be mostly Benno stories that you're gonna be hearing from um, his long, long time fandom of CM Punk. And what what a time to do it because mm. he is back, he's in AEW. And what we'll also talk about because I did call this CM Punk past, present and future, we'll be looking at his past We'll be looking at his present, but we'll also look about look at his future and kind of what we expect from Punk uh, now that he's in AEW. And you guys in the chat, um, if you have any like CM Punk stories or um, if we get to any particular like matches or angles in CM Punk's um, career that you guys really remember, please share your CM Punk stories why you like CM Punk. I just, this is kind of a, a celebration of punk, I would say. Um, not a summer of punk, a night of punk. <laughs> you know, you yeah, know it's getting I mean. a bit late in the year for summer. <laughs> it is, it is getting, but his, his summer of punks always have been late, late in the year, I must say. That's true. Yeah, the ROH one was, the uh, the WWE one was. So there you go, yeah. He can, he can make his own weather, can CM Punk. That's the other thing we've learned. <laughs> Okay, Benno. Well, let's start off. Um, we're starting off with you. So, 
Benno, when did you first hear the name CM Punk and see the man that is CM Punk? Yeah, see, I'm going to out myself here as extremely old, um, but like the uh, the early 2000s is where, where I'd go back to um, and his indie runs, um, just in general, like I think. Back then, we uh, we didn't have Twitter stuff. We had message boards. Um, you know, if the if, oh if the young people out there are familiar with them, that was uh, that was how wrestling discourse was done. Don't let anyone fool you. The uh, the IWC was alive and well in the early two thousands, and you know, just through those forums, you would hear the name CM Punk a lot. I think because he was you know new on the scene in like two thousand two two thousand three, and he was different. You know, the straight edge character. They had the feud with Raven going on. He, he was doing like silly matches with Chris Hero, Cassius Ono, doing like 90 minute matches and, and things like that. This touring match with Colt Cabana as well. Like you couldn't really help but hear the name CM Punk. It was just, it was kind of like the one of the hot indie names like around that time. And then yeah. obviously for me, you can see from the posters in the background, big Ring of Honor fan. Um, and he was a big part of, you know, getting me into Ring of Honor, you know, around that period when he kind of finally graduated to work in there. So you were creeping on these message boards, the UK message boards or worldwide message boards? Bit of both, UK fan forum, Death Driver forum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love There's it. a lot of forums in the world, Steph. They're still around. We're, Most of them are still around, you know. They're still going somehow. Was CM Punk on these forums putting himself over? Definitely, yes. I mean, that was the thing. <laughs> like early two thousands, like the uh, like I was a big um, Ring of Honor message board poster, and Punk was a hundred percent on that forum. He'd make reference to it in his in his um, in his promos and things like that. Like, yeah, it was how you got over as an indie wrestler in that period. Mm hmm. So tell us then, like the first CM Punk match you saw, how you got into watching Ring of Honor. And what I really want you to tell is the, your Ring of Honor DVDs uh, story. <laughs> uh, hopefully no one who worked in the Ring of Honor office at this time is watching this stream. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, this. Like again, Ring of Honor was a huge passion of mine. Uh, in the early 2000s and it, it happened because you know they again I'm aging myself you know we didn't have streaming services stuff we had DVDs and we had to order them and wait for them to come from America like uh, both me and you are, uh, are waiting for our CM Punk AEW t-shirts to come all over yeah I've been told this morning mine's I had to stop off in Spain so lord knows uh, where those things are but, um, then that's like the, when my Jericho book was in Sweden for no reason um mm. did you have a uh, a US region DVD player Yes, of course. Okay. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, that to be done. I think they were multi-region, though. Right. Well, okay. mainly, yes, yeah, yeah. You, you're getting Carry dodgy on. DVDs from all kinds, and even VHSs, to be honest. But yeah, so like Ring of Honor was like a promotion I'd like read about in you know Power Slam. I know you were a Power Slam reader, and you'd yeah. hear about Ring of Honor, and I wanted to try it out, and went on their website, and I think I put you know five or six Ring of Honor DVDs in in my basket. Saw the price of the things, realized, you know, okay, these are coming from America. When are they even going to get here? And then decided to back out and thought, no, I can't just throw a load of money at blind at this wrestling How promotion. How much was I've it? How seen. much was a DVD each, do you think? I want to say like 50, $15 or so, maybe. Um, okay. If there's any hardcore old school Ring of Honor fans in the chat, maybe they can correct me. They did have sales, though, you know, um, four for the price of three, that type of thing. Um, but I ended <laughs> up, I got the greatest sale of them all because um, I ended up backing out, right. not buying them. 
And then two weeks later, a, a crate full of Ring of Honor DVDs turned up at my house. It was like magic. It was like uh, the Ring of God, Honor Gods were, were shining on me. And, and uh, somebody somewhere at Ring of Honor made a mistake, I think. And they sent me those DVDs. Yeah. But they got their money back, you know, in kind. Like I, I was saying to you, I think I, I did the maths on it. And in just the year 2005 alone, I think I spent an entire month's wages just on Ring of Honor DVDs and T-shirts. And, you know, jackets. I had the Ring of Honor track, track jacket that CM Punk made fun of me wearing a ring of honor show he said they're even more greedy than i am um but yeah it was uh <laughs> i was a very hardcore ring of honor fan from that point but a lot of that probably was the fact they sent me that first shipment of free dvds but like i say i spent a lot of money after that too this is why it's it's it better like old school things i i assume it was like just some man in the office like putting through all the <laughs> orders and stuff and just yeah genuinely genuinely made a mistake so you get your mm. free dvds in the post and it's like it's like being given a free sample of heroin or something then you keep coming back yeah. for more and more and uh, and buying them so what 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 year is this is this 2004 yeah so like 2004 and i've got to say that the thing that drew me in you say it was like crack like heroin and i ended up you know <laughs> traveling out to america a number of times to go watch shows when the did number you go one to reason america? um 2000 end of 2004 and then a few times in 2005 and six right so, um yeah i know it, it became an expensive habit steph um it was uh yeah it was uh, I, I had nothing else to spend it on at that point so why not uh young yeah. and stupid but like the main reason i was going to say that i was making those trips it was cm punk and i'm not just saying that now he of all the Ring of Honor wrestlers, he was the one that stood out to me. Like there was Ring of Honor at that time was built around the best, you know, work rate quotes or pure wrestlers in the world. You know, mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan, you know, Loki, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, AJ Styles, those types. But CM Punk stood out because of his charisma, because of his mic skills, and just because of his star aura. He had it then. You know, you asked what were the um, first Ring of Honor match I, I might have watched with Punk in was, and it was probably. One, one from his Raven feud around then. Um, he had like a, yeah. I think a dog collar match with him and a cage match as well. And just something about that wrestler, CM Punk, stood out amongst all of these other great wrestlers. He might not have been the most technically skilled, but I've got to be honest, he was the coolest. Um, and I knew if I think from from show one. Do you ever consider being straight edge as a tribute to CM Punk, or did he not hook you in that <laughs> way? It was too late at that point. I think I was like twenty or so, and I'd already, dis already discovered um, Smirnoff Ice and uh, and Blue Wickets and uh, the craft beer. Then, oh, today I would be very ashamed of what I used to drink back in those days. But yeah, big nights mm. out on Fridays and Saturdays. But even though I was a Ring of Honor wrestling nerd, I, I did still have a slight social life. So it was too yeah. late for me. Um, but yeah. yeah, did you ever consider it as like a, a goth? I know you were a goth teenager. Did the uh, yeah. the straight edge people ever come for you? Um, I, no. Um, I don't remember of really hearing Straight Edge that much when I was a teenager, but certainly um, as a goth goth teenager, um, uh, we had a, a lot of punks. Um, actually, you know, mm. not people named CM Punk. I mean, like actual punks that we hung around with. And certainly, when I got to about fifteen or sixteen, a big part of that alternative culture was unfortunately uh, drinking. So it was mm. drinking, drinking your <laughs> your Smirnoff Ices and your WKDs and stuff, uh, literally on the street. Well, actually, in the grounds of a of a cinema, like a little park beside a cinema. So, um, 
No, for for me, being uh, being an outcast was very. There was alcohol uh, involved as a teenager in that, and I didn't know any straight edge punk people or, or goth people. Um, yeah, we were very much more about. Oh, we were, we were more like the sh- the shock side of it than than they're like being good people. Oh, carry on. I was gonna say I was a hip hop kid, so like I was into yeah. like Ice T was straight edge before it was cool because he never you always used to really? he'd write these songs about like you know killing people and you know robbing people and all of this crime, but at the end he'd always be like, and I don't drink or, or do stupid drugs or smoke, and I was like, you know what, Ice T was straight edge, and I think when I was sixteen, I tried to be straight edge for like yeah. a month, and then by the time I was seventeen, I was out with my mates in the park, same as you. Um, <laughs> it didn't stick. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that's very, uh, such a UK thing, drinking in the park. Um, but mm. I've always admired CM Punk for being straight out edge, to be honest. Um, mm. Especially, yeah, I've always just admired it. I wish I had the discipline, but maybe one day, maybe one day, but certainly not, like, mm. now. Um, and a lot of the, like, straight edge bands that um, he was into weren't, bands that I was into or that I would know anyone that was into because uh, with me and the people I hung about with in the in the goth and the punk scene uh, it was mm. very focused on like the 70s and 80s and mm. newer stuff just did not come into the to the equation um at right. all like newer bands or anything uh, I've got some got some comments here so Hale Hydra says I had a co-worker who introduced me to ROH he bought a ton of DVDs through their website or shows in Toronto he must have paid for them, sadly. So he'd lend me like six to ten DVDs at a time <laughs> to introduce me. That's really cool. I love when you have a friend that, like, back in the day that mm. would lend you stuff. Um, I then bought a bunch of Ring of Honor DVDs when I went to Toronto shows. That's really, really cool. Um, that's Good. awesome. Sean says, do you remember how when you had a DVD tape of a show, when you would watch it over and over? I certainly do. My one for mm. watching over and over was uh, SummerSlam 98 uh, on the VHS or WrestleMania 12. Uh, love WrestleMania 12. Um, Even the Iron Man match, no. I, How many times did you watch that? This, this, this isn't the, the time to have this fight. I <laughs> love the Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Iron Man match. You can write that on my oh. tombstone. I love it. Sounds uh, like so torture much. rewatching that. The, but anyway. the drama. <laughs> Um, how, Benno, how many times did you watch? How many times would you watch those DVDs? Now the the problem was though there were so many of the DVDs that like there's constantly a new one. But I'd go back and watch rewatch like favorite matches and things like that. Um, but unfortunately, that was the thing. That's what I was spending my money on. There was always a new one coming out, so probably didn't get my money's worth um, out of the things. It was more about seeing the new show and then moving on. Wonderful comment here from. Jeremy, who says, I'd like to say CM Punk is the reason why I'm straight edge. I was a nine-year-old kid at the time. I thought it was very cool. I still am actually today at 25. That's wonderful. What a great role model. Gavin says, I literally would not know the term straight edge today if not for CM Punk. Tanol is beyond straight edge. He's never had a drink, smoked a cig, did drugs, no tats or piercings. Uh, CM Punk definitely has the tats and piercings. Uh, he refers to himself as Mr. Clean. <laughs> See, this is why punk works. Because so, I'm the same way. I only heard the word straight edge, I think, through wrestling. Despite the yeah. fact I owned many CM Punk t-shirts that said straight edge on, so I probably looked like a huge poser. But like mm-hmm. that, 
that works so well though like you know you talk about the drinking culture me and you grew up in like when yeah. punk would come over to, to to the uk and do shows in that period my god was he a heel because we're all piss heads so it's uh... <laughs> that's <laughs> it uh, that's absolutely true like the drinking culture at wrestling shows is uh, is insane um mm. So when you're watching Punk here and he's made such a big impression on you, um, then there's a lot of buzz that takes off about CM Punk. And he even, it gets reported that he has a, um, well, he has a WWE tryout match on Sunday Night Heat in 2005, losing to Val Venus. Uh, so what were your feelings at this time? Do you think, I want him to go? I don't want him mm. to go. Are you ready for him to fly? How did you feel about CM Punk? Yeah, it was funny because I was like his biggest booster online because I always saw it with him. I, you know, there was at that time, and it's a bit like now. You know, we, we, we were talking about it on on Grapple this week with with WWE changing their hiring policy today. You know, and only going up to bodybuilders and Olympians and whatever. Yep. They're going to leave a lot of talent on the table, and that was kind of the, the way they saw things in two thousand and five or so. But the difference with Punk was okay. Yes, he wasn't the biggest. You know, but the difference between him and like you know, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, or Austin Aries, yeah. or, or a Samoa Joe, even compared to them, he had such charisma and such mic skills that it wasn't that hard to picture him on Monday Night Raw. Yes, he yeah. might have been undersized, maybe probably need to get himself into a, a little better shape, um, but he was clearly the one who, if you dropped him onto Monday Night Raw, and Mick Foley, you know, famously always went to bat with him after he did a few Ring of Honor shows, went back to, mm -hmm. to Vince and said, you should sign this guy, because he saw it too, Punk was always going to fit. And back then, like, as much as I wanted, wanted to keep Punk on the indies and loved his stuff in Ring of Honor... There was a part of me that would say, you know, this is like he should be a money making star in WWE. He should be there. Um, so it was bittersweet, really. Like, sad to see him go. You know, loved, you know, the last run the Adam Ring of Honor, the whole uh, Summer of Punk stuff. That was, you know, creatively fulfilling. But while I was sad to lose him, it was almost a graduation to me. It's like, yes, that's where this wrestler belongs. He should be on mm -hmm. Monday Night Raw. He should be making all the money in the world. Mm hmm. Um, did anyone ever accuse you of being a CM Punk burner account online um, with the boosting that you were doing? <laughs> Only when I started to wrestle and I uh, <laughs> literally dressed like CM Punk. And I had his exact trunks and wrist tape and all of that. Uh, CM Scouse uh, was called. CM Scouse. But... Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, that I was once <laughs> CM Scouse uh, on the Liverpool Indies there. <laughs> <laughs> was never an official name, just saying. It was, it was better never than my official name. But... <laughs> But yeah, um, you, so yeah. The nickname CM Scars? Um, just like indie wrestlers from that from right. like that area, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as you mentioned, um, he ends up getting signed with WWE, mm. and then we have something that is has got to be one of the most well-remembered indie storylines, like, really? Um, mm. The Summer of Punk, which kicks off after he has a match with uh, Austin Aries for the Ring of Honor title. Um, it looks like he's just going to lose because he's on his way, but he actually wins. He defeats Austin Aries, um, and then he just turns heel on the crowd, and this starts the Summer of Punk. So Summer of Punk is something that wait, uh, it gets mentioned so much, and there's obviously the WWE one. This is the original Summer of Punk. So give us a little synopsis of what this Summer of Punk entails. Yeah, sure. I mean... 
throwing the cheap plug in. We just uh, did a, a podcast on this over yes. at uh, patreon.com. A, a good grapple pod on this. <laughs> Sign up to the grapple Patreon. Um, Thank yeah, you. But... but yeah, it was, but like the, in like synopsis, it was Punk was at that point in Ring of Honor had become the company babyface. I think through around the time TNA pulled a load of their wrestlers from Ring of Honor and it was a it was an ugly scene, you know, Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles and the like left age, you know, Punk was one of the people who stood in in for them and kind of mm-hmm. took their spot and became the leader of Ring of Honor and was a babyface. But the thing about Punk with the straight edge character, he was always best as a heel. So, you know, we all had the rumors of him signing with WWE. He had this title match with Aries as a babyface, and we just thought, oh, he's getting his getting his goodbye match here. He's not really going to win. And then they had him win the thing. And he, on what was allegedly his last night in Ring of Honor, he won the title. And like you mentioned there, the genius of it was after the match, he cuts this killer promo, which I'm sure you can find on YouTube, where yeah. you know he says he's fooled all the fans, and he's actually he's the devil himself, all, all of that stuff. Um, and turns on the promotion and says he's going to take the title belt with him to WWE, which is funny to watch now because some of the promos he's talking about going to WWE and like talking up Triple H, you know, as like one of his friends or like you know someone he's looking forward to uh, being in company with. And he starts it's wearing like suits. <laughs> I know, I know. And he starts wearing suits and stuff. And he famously signs his WWE contract in the ring on a Ring of Honor show on the Ring of Honor title. And they do these angles where over the next couple of Ring of Honor shows, because to that point, Punk had never been ROH champion. Um, as ROH champion, all of the young wrestlers in the company are trying to beat him for the belt. And then he has a couple of you know big matches with Christopher Daniels and, uh, and Jamie Noble. And then eventually um, loses the belt to, um, to Jamie Noble in a four-way and kind of puts him over uh, and you know has his famous last match with Colt Cabana that he talked out at, uh, at All Out. But it was kind of just ingenious at the time, a way of, you know, creating something out of nothing. We genuinely, and we were the, we thought we were the smartest fans in the world on those message boards, all genuinely thought he was leaving and then he wins the belt and then, you know, they kept us guessing for a good month and a half there as to whether he really was going to uh, take our sacred ring of honor belt to WWE with him. Yeah, and then when he, um, he when he has that match with um, Cabana, like his last match, that's a really great um, entrance that he does as well. Like looking at how he was um, on Rampage with the with the emotion that he showed, that is certainly also seen there when he had that last um, Ring of Honor match. It's just that's a really cool thing, guys. If you haven't seen it, to go back yeah. um, and and Google just because he did mention in the Rampage promo leaving Ring of Honor. And if you see how he was, like, it'd be lovely to do like a side by side video of his him coming out like last night in Ring of Honor um, and his first night in AEW because it's mm. really really um, an awesome scene. So he does it. He signs with WWE. But he starts off in 2005 in Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, he, he does at one point become the uh, Ohio Valley Television Champion. Were you watching Ohio Valley Wrestling at this point, Benno? Did you have access to it? Oh, I'm good today. I can't find the DVD, but I've got the DVD somewhere. <laughs> yes. Of course you have the DVD somewhere. Of I wanted course. to show up, but uh, unfortunately Did you pay for it? Uh, yes, um, it's the official DVD set of uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling TV from 2005. I just wanted to follow my guy and you know see see how he was doing uh, within the WWE system. And the good thing was for him that he met up with for the first time Paul Heyman. So Paul yeah. Heyman was running Ohio Valley at that point. He'd taken over from Jim Cornette. 
And it was like love at first sight with them too. Like I think yeah. Gabe Sapolsky, who ran Ring of Honor, had tipped off Paul Heyman that this great promo CM Punk's coming in. And Heyman, to his credit, the reason Punk's a Paul Heyman guy, he saw it in CM Punk. So surprisingly, CM Punk was well taken care of in Ohio Valley. He had you know, a good couple of feuds going. He had a strong character going. And he was mainly winning his matches as well. So for, uh, you know, again, skinny, fat, or whatever you want to call him, straight-edge guy on the indies who's going into the WWE system thinking, this is the world of the bodybuilders, I've got no chance. He ended up with an unlikely ally in Heyman and, yeah, did better mm -hmm. than you might well expect. Yeah, that's so important for him that he met Heyman in that time. And I think um, mm. some people might not know, like, that's where the I'm a Paul Heyman guy comes from. Like, he was a Paul Heyman guy back in Ohio Valley Wrestling, which I guess mm. for people that don't really know anything about that, it's kind of like NXT before it was NXT, but it wasn't really like NXT. It was more... Um, not trying to be WWE, really, more just like an indie. Um, yeah. They were like it, holding guys in. Yeah, kind of like what it might end up being soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. It wasn't really connected. Like, so things would happen in Ohio Valley, like Punk mm -hmm. getting over, or like the Basham Brothers are a good example where they were. Yeah, the Basham Brothers. Mm -hmm. and then they brought them up they were feuding with each other and then they brought them yeah. up as a tag team you know there were loads of things like that that had happened where you know right yeah. hand didn't know what the left hand was doing but stop me if that sounds familiar stuff i know it's gonna say you would think they would learn from that um <laughs> like the problems that that caused in the booking down in in ohio valley because wasn't Cornette working at that time down there as well that would have been just before Heyman. so Cornette getting fired for yeah. Cornet related reasons led to Heyman mm -hmm. coming in, but no, hey, don't get it wrong though. Yeah, Ohio Valley Wrestling was, you know, Cornet's baby. Mm -hmm. Um, Sean says it's incredible. Uh, Sean says it's incredible that Punk ever made it through OVW and onto WWE because you hear these stories of Paul being told to fire Punk on plenty of occasions around that time. Uh, were you mm -hmm. hearing stories about that? Definitely, yeah. Um, you wonder now, you know, Paul Heyman being Paul Heyman, whether that's it was Paul Heyman who those stories were coming from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, like I say, it seems strange that Punk had such a strong position on Ohio, Ohio Valley TV, considering yeah. he wouldn't be a WWE type of guy. So, yeah, uh, it sounds, you know, plausible that maybe Heyman was the, the one person fighting Punk's corner at that point. At this time, um, before he makes it to, to WWE, well, like the main roster of WWE, as far as like on the message boards, stuff like that, what was being said about Pong's personality was it out there that he was quite a forthright would fight for himself person oh yeah i mean he was i mean he was well i mean i love him he's my favorite wrestler but you know he's a dick and everyone knows he's a dick or he was let's say he but was he seems that, he's a happy that's person why in his a life. lot of us like him that's why a lot yeah of us totally like him. Look, yeah. I've seen him. I've been at meet and greet events where fans have asked him for autographs, and he's just said no because <laughs> he didn't like them. Like gave me though. gave me pictures because I was stood there head to toe in Ring of Honor stuff. But you know, and he could be. A, he did. I think it was just pure pity. Um, <laughs> but like he was, you know, that's CM Punk. You know, that's just kind of how he was. Um, but yeah, you know, there was always stories like that. You know, that the Indies with an ROH he was difficult to work with. Um, but you know, Punk's version of the story would always be, "Well, I'm right." And most right. of the time, he was right, wasn't he? And yeah. yeah, I think that obviously continued through, like you know, Ohio, Ohio Valley, and then you know, obviously ECW when he ended up there too. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get on to ECW because yeah, he ends up in ECW, not the proper ECW, of course, the WWE 
ECW. CW. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it that. Uh, CW. Uh, he yeah. appears uh, July uh, 2006, uh, making mm. his first appearance. And he does um, a, a promo about his straight edge lifestyle, um, emphasizing the disciplinary of being drug and alcohol free. So this is when I would have first, um, I so I heard of CM Punk and Ring of Honor, but this is when I was first properly introduced um, to CM Punk. Now at mm. the beginning, correct me if my memory is wrong, he was doing like his gimmick was that he was straight edge, but they were trying to like make him like a technical guy as well, um, like wrestler wise. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a. I mean, firstly, it was a perfect fit. You know, if ECW still existed in two thousand and six, CM Punk would have been in ECW. He'd have been, you know, dueling probos with Steve Carino or getting beat up by the Sandman. He was a. He was clearly <laughs> like the the next generation of that kind of guy. So I was yeah. made up when he got pulled into ECW, despite the fact there were zombies and whatever else going on in that ECW product. But yeah, they did kind of make him like a, it was almost like a shoot style wrestler, like because yeah, you know, MMA yeah, was yeah. extremely get well, it got more and more popular. But you know, it was in the maybe not beginning days, but you know, early days of it getting real mainstream like, popularity. I feel like what um, they were trying to do with Punk there is if you. Um, take away any magic is what like Tommy End um kind of is mm. because like he's <laughs> yeah. martial artist well, guy but you what know, he thinks like, he is. The look and everything <laughs> <laughs> he's a big CM Punk fan as well we, maybe we get on <laughs> I think Tommy End is more more the way Tommy End wrestles is more suited to doing this thing that they were putting on CM Punk at the beginning uh, than yeah. it really was uh, for CM Punk. Uh, just a few uh, comments here. Um, Walter, Walter was at his WWE CW debut. That's really cool. That's just really incredible, cool. I think. Um, uh, Hammerstein, I think. How did the crowd react to him, Walter? Let us know. Um, mm. So, Jeremy, this promo that I just referenced, that's what made um, him straight edge. So there you go. It's amazing. That worked. That worked Love for it. him. Um, yeah. Um, so when I first saw him, I, I thought he was really, really cool, um, and something different. Um, mm. and I think that's what, um, drew me to him. Just, he would seem very like, unlike the other people on the roster. This is a weird, uh, WWE CW. They tried to do some like quite different things with it, like with the characters and stuff, but it just really never worked well in kind of blending in with the main roster or or anything like that. Like I don't have the greatest memories of the WWE ECW thing, and I was an ECW um, fan and used to buy a I think lot that's of why, isn't it? yeah. I used to buy a lot of e, um, ECW like VHSs and stuff like that, um, and. I, I was into like the real kind of raw grittiness of ECW, not what they were like trying to create here. But Punk was, if they had made this ECW like centered like around people like Punk, you know, if it mm. was all the kind of um, the the more like alternative guys, I think it would have been a lot better. But it just really ended up being something that was nothing more than the name but he was no. definitely a very intriguing character to me i was a big fan of raven um as a wcw fan and as as a teenage goth i always liked anyone that was different like that so mm -hmm. punk punk you know um Fit that mold. 
he fit that mold for me. I wasn't, I was pretty into Jeff Hardy for a period, but I probably wasn't as into Jeff Hardy as you would expect someone like me to be into Jeff Hardy. But I was starting to get vibes that he was maybe like a, a better Jeff Hardy, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, the way today mm. you can look at, you can look at Darby Allen today, who we'll talk about later, and see the connection between him and him and CM Punk. I think you could see like a line between him and him and Jeff Hardy as far as like Definitely. the type of the type of guys they were. Uh, Walter says he was over. The rest of the show nah. was not. <laughs> um, and Walter chanted, "Change the channel during the main event." Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I think it was Batista in there. Sabu got a big pop when he put the big show through a table. <laughs> what a weird sentence, though. I know. I know. <laughs> it's amazing they had Sabu uh, doing WWE. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, uh hands out being 2020, are you surprised WWE allowed him to use the CM Punk name? Um, no, because they weren't really thinking about stuff like that at this time, I don't think. Um, people did kind of keep their name, really. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that. No, I, I'd probably say it was. Yeah, I, I, and mostly, I don't think they did. Um, I think to be honest, I think Punk was just stubborn. <laughs> I think it's what right. the the thing was there and kind of kept it. I, I'm shocked too. Like I never, I just assumed he'd be called something stupid, like you know, yeah, Phil the Destroyer or something. Like I, I, don't, I mean, at the end of the, I mean, that's the thing. CM Punk, what's it stand for? Chick Magnet Punk. Like that's yeah, that's where the name comes from. Like I suppose it sounds cool when you just shorten it to CM Punk, but I, I'm yeah, I'm the same. I'm shocked that they allowed it because you know obviously it it's, it's going to burn them now. It would have been so shit him doing this summer Punk Ring of Honor storyline and changing his name. I really mm. hate. I hate so much guys being told to change their name or having to change their name oh. because. I do like a through line of someone's whole career, like having the same name. The one that annoys me the most is Finn Balor. I could never get over the name change uh, of Prince Devitt. And it's so good that Punk didn't get to change his name. But I'm sure now when they look in the future, he'll be used as a great example of why guys should have to change their names. See this? Uh, do you see that rumor this week where uh, apparently like Walter's name might get changed to Von Wagner or something like <laughs> Like, not that Walter's a great name anyway, but like they're the they're the types of uh, decisions they make, aren't they? But sometimes it's for the best, though. Like I always thought, like you know, look at like a Chris Hero who came up with Punk. Was that really a good name? Like I feel like Cassius Ono was better, um, but oh, mostly I'm with you. Cassius Ono was a terrible name. Oh, did you hate him? Oh yeah, I. I oh, he's an original really... KO. No, I don't. I don't like that at all. Um, there was some bad one, like. Ones. Talking to WWE, CW, like a big one, Monty Brown. You know, they bring in this yeah. famous NFL player who's got t who's been in TNA and is known to wrestling fans. Or what do they call him? Marcus Corvon. <laughs> That's just them. Walter got you there. Never forget Marcus Corvon. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Medicine Man's World of Vintage and Cannabis Reviews. Hello, welcome. We in Chicago look at punk the same way as Bret Hart's fellow Canadians do. Hope everyone is having a good night. We are having a great night. Um, thank you, Medicine Man's World of Vintage and Cannabis Reviews. Thank you uh, for joining in here. Um, Gavin, Chris Hero, Cassius Ono all day. <laughs> Fair enough. People are attached to the Chris Hero name. I got it. Sean's trolling me. Finn's career went from strength to strength after his name was changed. <laughs> Maybe when it changes back. We'll have that conversation. When it changes back. No, I um we're getting sidetracked. I thought Prince David was a fucking brilliant name. Um, what a great name. 
Finn Balor. Nope. No. Nope. 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 Okay. So he gets on ECW and he ends up becoming ECW champion. So um, just give us like a broad assessment as this huge CM Punk fan of his ECW like run, how you felt about it and stuff um, for someone that was waiting for him to make it to WWE. He makes it, they put him on ECW, they do belt him in ECW. So how do you think Punk in, in ECW did? I think they got it half right and half wrong. He wasn't mm-hmm. buried by any means, you know. He was featured strongly, you know, with the um, feud with Elijah Burke, the Pope, and I don't all think of that he stuff. Bury the guy, to be honest. I think it would be more stress to try. Yeah, especially with that roster as well. Are you going to put in the yeah. main event the uh, the vampires and the zombies or something or Big Show? Um, yeah, he he did get over. I didn't love like you know the the promos. Like CM Punk's strength has always been his promos, and they scripted him. And he was not a man that was good at reading a script. All of the passion got sapped out of him. And I had friends who I was like, wait till you hear this CM Punk talk. He's amazing. He's the best promo in the world. And then he got on ECW TV and he was kind of like laid back and slow yeah. in his delivery. And it wasn't the CM Punk promo that I was used to in Ring of Honor that we would eventually get. But overall, like as a CM Punk fan, couldn't argue like he was the perfect guy to be the, the new ECW guy. It was mm-hmm. just a shame kind of the brand was just crumbling around him. Mm-hmm. Do you think, like, was him being given the championship in, in ECW, was that, like, was that any kind of big deal? I mean, was it, like, equivalent to if he'd been in NXT, be, being an NXT champion, or were you just kind of like, oh, I mean, he's got a belt, but it's the ECW one? There's a famous story. I can't remember who which veteran it was, but I remember, like, he went back down to a VW for, like, some training session or something while he's ECW champ and the veteran like whoever it was was like oh why have you why have you taped your wrists like that kid you look ridiculous you're never going to be world champion like that and CM Punk being CM Punk was like I am the world champion dickhead (laughs) (laughs) and it was like one of those big newsletter stories at the time that he got himself eat with Um, Punk carried himself like he was a world champion yeah (laughs) but um, it it was obviously you know a lower level of, of champion even you know even to us, you know, but it was still cool. It was recognition that, you know, Punk wasn't in there as a jobber, you know, yeah. yeah. We, we can't rewrite history and pretend, you know, he was buried from, by WWE from the start because he wasn't. You know, there were definitely competing forces in WWE and people who didn't like him, but overall, he was doing pretty well at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gavin says, as a kid with no experience of ECW, Punk and Morrison were the only people I cared about from ECW. Morrison was mm. really good um, in, in that time as well. Uh, he has, as a kid, uh, again, purely as a kid, I was massively invested in the ECW title and considered it on the level of the rest. Matt Hardy is mostly to do with that. Matt Hardy, mm. they're doing some good work back in, back in the brand. So... <laughs> So he loses the ECW championship. Do you remember who he lost it to? I don't. You're going to love it. Uh, who was it? He's um, a colleague of CM Punk's now. Oh, Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> Who's Chavo God. Guerrero? Oh, my. Why is that man been trolling me my entire life? Oh, no. Benno has <laughs> oh, a history of, of Chavo beef that we can't discuss on the channel. No. <laughs> okay, so he comes into WWE, uh, mm. WWE main, and he gets something quite um, big quite quickly because he wins um, money in the bank at WrestleMania 24. Mm. And what a lineup. He defeats Shelton Benjamin. Mr. Mm. Kennedy, 
Mr. Kennedy is one of those. Remember when Mr. Kennedy was a thing, people? Hmm. MVP, John Morrison, Carlito, and Chris Jericho. So that's really cool. And he ends up cashing in later to defeat Jeff Hardy for the title. Um, hmm. So what did you think about that? Like, amazing kind of debut there for him? Yeah. Like, first, you know, first while. Again, it shows, you know, there's, there's competing forces with Punk. You know, there are clearly people who are high on him. There's, there's clearly at least a perception that this guy's hot. Like, I remember the Survivor Series before. Do you remember that when yeah. he was on the same team with Jeff and Sean? Sean and Michaels, yeah. yeah. And he was getting chanted for, wasn't he? And Triple H being Triple H, put his arm around him, you know, made sure he got he soaked up some of that pop for himself. Um, but I think that kind of... <laughs> <laughs> we do a whole podcast on that. Like, I'm gonna um, go easy on Triple H because that karma that I thought was coming for Triple H hit him way too hard. Even he's I having a rough year, <laughs> he's having a rough time. Um, but yeah, I think you know it was clear that at least there was an underground support for Punk. Now, let's be clear, he won the World Heavyweight Title and then wasn't necessarily it wasn't like he was the top guy in the company you know at that point you know whoever was the wwe champion was clearly you know in the main events and punk was yeah clearly second it was one of those runs a bit like you know what Rey mysterio got and other guys like that that maybe there were other people on the writing team or whoever who were high on punk but you know clearly vince wasn't <laughs> and he was not particularly um you know well treated um as champion he definitely didn't feel um like a world heavyweight champion i would say during that run um, do you have fond memories of his Jeff Hardy feud? Did you feel that was him kind of coming into his own a little bit more, the stuff he did with, with Hardy? Um, yeah, I think, you know, that's, again, you know, during that year, early period as, as champion, yes, he was, you know, uh, this ECW version of, of CM Punk and wasn't the promo we know and whatever. The Jeff Hardy thing, you know, you know, once it really got going, yeah. really... You know, I think that made Punk in a lot of ways. It made, you know, when he was able to cut so. promos about, you know, the straight yeah. edge. That... Oh, go on. What, what I remember hearing um, about that, and I heard this quote recently, was that his promos with Jeff Hardy were good because he was just going out there and basically saying whatever he wanted. Like, he'd give them, like, half of what he was going to say and then come out with the other things. Um, mm. And they weren't, like, keeping close. I, I, think, I think this is when he worked out what to tell the people high up in WWE to get away with stuff and like oh, ask, totally. and ask for forgiveness later moment. And I bet you he had a conversation with Vince McMahon and was like, so pal, what's what's this straight edge thing? And then Vince, it's Punk having to explain to this crazy 60-something-year-old man at that point while not doing drugs and and uh, not drinking was, was all about and that it was actually quite a cool thing. Um, <laughs> I bet you they had that conversation and you know, as it as did happen in his indie career as well. I think Vince Vince maybe saw the money and oh, but you could do that as like a bit of a heel maybe at some point. Yeah, you could do that to get a bit of heat, and you could do you know we could bring some real life into. It. Lord knows how many times Jeff Hardy's misgivings have been brought up on WWE TV. Yeah. So it's it's kind of old hat now, isn't it? But at that time, it was you know quite it was, an, it was like a real element to the feud, and it brought out you're right a, a, more of a sense of personality and punk, and more of a sense of what he could get away with. So I think the next thing we'll like move on to that was a really big thing for him was the straight edge society. So following on mm. um, from that, him bringing the straight edgeness to the to the forefront, um, he does this with um, Serena, um, a really memorable angle where she shaves her head, and mm. with Luke 
Gallows, another colleague there. Uh, the history of Luke Gallows is a really, really, really um, interesting, like true history, history of a man. Uh, if, just if stood in the background see, of every historic picture. I was going to say, Luke if Gallows. you ever see a tall man in the ring and you have no idea who he is, it's probably Luke Gallows has got himself <laughs> in there somehow. Uh, <laughs> but um, just... Let's say hello to a truly heel Romeo. Yeah, we're going to be hey, on dude. true heel heat on Saturday. Hello to you. I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, 4 p.m. UK time. 4 p.m. UK time. I thought the straight edge society was really, really good. Um, I feel like it, it was the kind of thing I was I was looking for. Um, mm. it, it reminds me, like, I think I'm always looking for, like, something different that feels like there's a bit more thought put into it and that's probably why I liked and I'm not comparing these and saying that they were equally good but like original Wyatt family felt like there was a bit of thought put into this um with mm. the promos and everything and like the stuff behind it and working stuff out and I think CM Punk put a lot of a lot into this I thought it was really good um how did you feel uh, feel about it and I like, just the the run of it I absolutely love it. Like, this is, it's funny, this is a period where, you know, I'd gone off WWE a little bit, surprisingly. Um, there were yeah. definitely several, definitely several periods like that in my life <laughs> where that has happened. And the bits I would watch was the Straight Edge Society stuff. I'd actually love to go back and just rewatch the whole run. I think that'd be yeah. a fun podcast to do. Um, but yeah, as Walter said there, you know, Serena there. We could recreate the Straight Edge Society in AW. Serena D, Luke Gallows, CM Punk, let's do it. Let's do mm. it again. Um, but no, this period, I think what, you're right, Punk found his feet in WWE. I think yeah. Vince McMahon got more confidence in CM Punk, realized that, oh, we don't need to so much script this guy. We can let him go, you know, and then he became like, you know, this, the whole straight edge Jesus stuff and that. You could argue it maybe went a bit a bit too far, but it was compelling stuff, wasn't it? You know, the, the Rey Mysterio feud during this yeah. time and, you know, all of that stuff, like it was definitely punk's best work at that point and i bet you that the uh teenager got stuff was loving this stuff as well oh, i love this stuff like i they, as i said like this is totally right up my like street mm. um i love anything that um goes in that like a bit culty and stuff um yeah. i really really loved it i mean even if he, he very was, raven wasn't it it was very raven it was very mm. raven and raven was uh, one of my first favorites um I, I think he's he's one of like my most memorable childhood storylines with all the Raven WCW stuff. I think we've talked about this, and you thought that was trash when he had like rich parents and everything. I was so invested <laughs> in that. <laughs> I was so into that. It's Canyon at the pool, Oliver. <laughs> yeah, but you have to you have to remember that at, at the time, I thought this was all like one hundred percent above board. So I thought we were watching a real. <laughs> A real look Brilliant. into Raven's Raven's life here, so it made it even better for me. I thought it was wonderful, but I yeah, I have really fond memories to Straight Edge Society. Um, mm. I'd probably put it in um, one of like my top three like CM Punk um, WWE eras. Um, it was really really good. Yes. Uh, up next, um, we have the whole new Nexus storyline that he gets involved in, um, which. I think really uh, ends badly once we get mm. um, Randy Orton in there. <laughs> mm. 
um wh what did you think about him like being placed with this group everything that happened uh Ra randy orton coming in there i don't know if this was um a high or low point in like the um nerds perception of randy orton uh, how is he being randy orton being received in the message boards um same way around the Orton's always been perceived the, the most boring <laughs> overrated wrestler of all time but we'll do that another time um <laughs> per Randy, the same and wrestled the same for 20 years per Randy Orton every wrestler says he's the best ever but continue <laughs> yeah well unfortunately it's not the wrestlers that have to watch him it's the fans but anywho um <laughs> the new Nexus yeah I mean this is just creatively kind of bankrupt in it like it makes no sense it's like nexus was its own thing and it was cool for a yes. while punk was doing straight edge society as the leader and that was cool for a lot you know for a while very cool and some genius was like oh yeah just like punk lead them put a yellow armband on them it'll be sound and it wasn't it, it, it was a bad fit it was written all over punk's face i think during that period as well like you could tell he didn't enjoy it he didn't you know he didn't want to lead david otonga and uh, and the lads to battle it wasn't it wasn't him, was it? Um, no. It wasn't a good fit, and I think just that felt like Vincent Mango. Well, you led one stable, you could lead another, um, and this is the most lost I think Punk had looked, you know, to that point in his uh, his WWE career. It felt so insincere, especially coming off the Straight Edge Society. Which, if mm. if Vince was looking for a kind of like faction war invasion storyline, uh, he would have been better off just letting Punk uh, expand the Straight Edge Society and. Um, them, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> leading a war or something like this just seemed um, not mm -hmm. not for Punk. It, it seemed like something that was written for someone else, and, and Punk was putting in the place. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That that's a, the best way you can put it. Wrong actor in the role. Yes. So let's get to 2011, and let's get to the summer of Punk, the WWE summer of Punk. So. He um, kind of quick like rundown of what happens. So June 2011, he pins John Cena on Raw, um, uh, and then he ends up also beating um, Alberto Del Rio in a number one uh, contendership match. He also pins Rey Mysterio all all within one week, and then he reveals his contract expiring on July 17th at Money in the Bank, and he vows to leave with the WWE Championship. Um, and then we get the pipe bomb promo where he gives a like you know off script promo calling out Vince McMahon. This is where he says, "I'm a Paul Heyman guy." He says, "Hi to Colt Cabana." All this kind of stuff. Um, on the entrance ramp, obviously, it's completely um, iconic. Uh, yeah. Then he's like storyline suspended, um, and then. Um, he we go to Money in the Bank, his final night in WWE, where he this is like one of the best entrances ever. He's in Chicago. People literally think he's Jesus. They're cheering so so hard. He defeats John Cena, blows a kiss, and runs away with the WWE championship. So before we get into like what happened mm -hmm. next after that, <laughs> um, so for me, this is what like one of my most um memorable like things watching wwe like post 2010 uh do you remember where you were when you heard the uh, the pipe bomb promo yeah i was just watching raw on tv <laughs> in my home <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> Not um, my <laughs> No, um, I just remember watching it um, on TV. I was trying to think what house I lived in. 
Um, so 2011, let me see. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was living in London and I was dating someone at the time who was a wrestling fan. So we would watch like war together, um, late at night and stuff like that. He was, um, he wasn't like a, <laughs> so he was a Jeff Hardy fan. <laughs> <laughs> like long time Jeff Hardy fan uh, and he was also a bit of a punk fan um, but punk definitely Good wasn't his, his favourite but yeah I, I would have been with him uh, watching this live and it was definitely one of those wow moments and I think that when you're like really long time wrestling fan like me and you are um, mm-hmm. there is like especially because we're the type of wrestling fans that is just like constantly frustrated um, with WWE, but the frustration um, at level that has risen to anger with WWE was not as bad in 2011 as it came like later years. Like Mm -hmm. really it wasn't like as bad as it was now, but you were always just waiting for someone to kind of call out Vince and call out like a lot of the shit that they do. And CM Punk, CM Punk was the man to do it. But yeah, Benno, see, where did you watch this promo? See, that was what I was going to say. This is horrible to admit. I read the promo before I actually saw At it. At large? Uh, on full mania um, on the screen. Uh, I don't think I read it out loud. I think I was in work. I think that, uh, people would have complained if I started saying hi, Paul Cabana. I think you should have um, <laughs> stood on your office chair and read this promo. <laughs> of pipe bomb. Boss. Pipe bomb your boss. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I just it was in one of them periods where I wasn't watching Raw um, because yeah. you know I'm not a fan of 2010 WWE to be honest. Leading up to this uh, into mm-hmm. 2011 and shared, you know, it's funny you say with hindsight this product looks amazing compared to yeah. today. You know, remember no, two hour Raw stuff. Remember that? <laughs> like, yeah, I'll so take that over anything. Watch. That's why I was able to stay up though and watch it. Like we weren't yeah. staying up for three hour was like, two hours on a Monday. No, oh, we were young. No, <laughs> it has to be rampage quality uh, to stay up. I think these days, but um, yeah, or oh, dynamite quality. Speaking of tonight, but um, yeah, like I, that, I read it. Uh, I got goosebumps just reading the thing, and obviously, me being a long-term Ring of Honor fan, you know, hearing the reference to them and hearing the reference to Colt Cabana, and like you say, you know, him going hard at trip. Tri- I was going to say Vincent Lamb, but mainly Triple H. <laughs> like there's Triple a couple H. of uh, that. That beef is. Yeah, that's an open wound, that one, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I did eventually. Hard at Triple H, though. <laughs> Again, he's had a bad week, Seth. He's had a bad month and a bad year. He's had a bad um, month. Look, the prophecy came true. Um, yeah. Oh, but but yeah, the pipe bombs is good. The pipe bombs as good as, you know, the legend. You know, if you didn't live through it and you, it might seem a little bit corny now, always doing a work shoot thing or, or whatever. Yes. It, it was genuinely game changing. You know, the fact that he sat there in Steve Austin chair was, uh, was uh, you know, no coincidence. Um, you know, taking a lot of it from, from, from Steve and, you know, people like Steve, you know, were, were raving about him at the time. It was, it felt like a change point in wrestling. Um, it's the strongest thing yeah. you can say. I do think that, um, especially because we had the anniversary of the pipe bomb not long ago and people, um, I think that when you hear any kind of like criticism of it or stuff like this, this is only good because like they allowed it to be good. Um, What I would say to that, you know, like anyone could have done a pipe bomb if they were allowed to do a pipe bomb. I don't think it would have seemed as genuine though. Mm. Like 
that idea of the pipe bomb was good because Vince allowed him to say certain stuff and do it. Um, mm. I mean, there are many people. If if they had said, Carlito, you can pipe bomb tonight, I don't think anyone would have uh, bought into it or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> no. This, like, you have to have someone that can at least carry this off. He carried off, like, the and delivery. Venom, really the punk well. Yeah. Um, and you believed him. And mm. I do totally believe him. I, I totally believe that he dislikes Triple H because why wouldn't he? Why would you like him? But, yeah, yeah. it is. It's the Venom, isn't it? It's like, you know. We all remember the lines from it, but it's there. You're right, Punk, his biggest quality in wrestling has always been his believability, and you believed he meant every word of that promo. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, um, just because I've said some not very nice stuff about Triple H here, um, as I have said many um, times, Triple H was, um, at one point in my life, like, my absolute favourite wrestler, and, um, you know, Summer Sam 1998 is my favorite pay per view. My favorite match in that is Triple H versus Rock. That's my favorite ladder match of all time. That is one of my, my favorite absolute, wrestler. That is one of my absolute favorite um, matches of all time. And Triple H, like 1998, was my favorite wrestler. And the f- mm. even funnier thing about that is the way that, like, y'all would be acting about Punk one day, like, he's getting buried, he's not being booked properly, like, I was acting like that about Triple H before I knew what those words meant, I was like, <laughs> I'm watching, like, Austin, you know, and being like, this guy should be champion, uh, Triple yeah. H, come on, like, push him. Um, I was the same. Uh, I was like, I think when yeah. you're like a hardcore fan like us, you get drawn to the heels yeah. a little bit, don't you? And I remember yeah. being in school in like the year 2000. Oh no, all my mates like The Rock and Steve Austin. No, Triple H is the best. Triple um, H. <laughs> that that view would change. What would happen? <laughs> yeah. Sliding doors. Sliding doors. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um. Anyway, we're not gonna get. We are not like. We're not gonna give Triple H satisfaction of side tracking museum punk show, please. <laughs> So we have this amazing pipe bomb. The match with Cena um, at mm. Money in the Bank is amazing just for like yes. the atmosphere um, of it. Five stars. It's so, so good. I think Cena was really great too um, here. I think Cena is someone um, that you, history has looked back on very kindly. I think he mm. always has seemed game um, and he, he, he just gets it. He just gets it. What? That's the thing, you know, me and you were having a conversation the other day about, like, you know, what Wade Keller said at the time, that, like, and he wasn't wrong, Cena was the babyface, and he was very much getting undercut by Punk here, you know, Punk, Mm -hmm. you know, not that Cena had a huge amount of credibility with hardcore fans, but he really made him seem like a corporate part of it, and to be fair to Cena, he went along with it in the promos, and he went along with it in the match as well, and it takes two to tango, doesn't it, and, you know, if Punk was in there with anyone else, that wouldn't have been a five-star match or such a memorable night. Yeah, I I think that he, um, I mean, Cena isn't someone that he ever goes after, really. No, you know, in 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 real life. Um, so I think that Cena, Cena is a good guy. Cena is a really mm. good guy. Um, and also, I think that's the thing to be like recognized with about Cena is he he went through like hardships in WWE. Uh, he wasn't just planted in there like as the top guy or anything like that. Uh, he had to go through mm. some shit. So. CM Punk, he takes the belt and he runs away. 
And Blair, what was your expectation that he would do? Did you think we'd get CM Punk popping up at all the indie shows? CM Punk back in Ring of Honor? Yes, and that's what they show the fucking done. Sorry, what they show the bloody done. Um, it is like it really is what they should have done. Like uh, this is the bit. This is where the disappointment starts because he did like yeah. a one off at an indie show with Colt Cabana. I think it was mm-hmm. AAW maybe where he came out and did a, a quick promo. He took the AW, famous photo. Yeah. The, yeah, he took the famous photo of his belt in the uh, in the fridge. I think he went to a Comic Con. Yes, and then he was back on telly and like you know the promo talked about Ring of Honor, New Japan. He could have gone to IWA Mid South. He could have done anything, anything, and it would have given the pro. It would have given the storyline some more legitimacy. That yes, he really like in Ring of Honor in two thousand and five. It's not just an idle threat. He's really gone. He, he's gone with the belt, and he and he yeah. is defending it in these indie groups, but. WWE is going to WWE. What do you think happened there? Do you think they just weren't wouldn't let him do it? Do you think he, this is what he wanted to do? Definitely, like I've de- I've definitely heard that, that that is you know we made some small plans to to go back to Ring of Honor and to do the other indie stuff. But imagine explaining that to Vince McMahon. Yeah, CM Punk's going to do these matches in front of two hundred people, like or five hundred people or whatever. Yeah. You know, Vince McMahon <laughs> sees the indies as he's going to he's going to like... say it should be on my TV. I know, but if he just saw like how great the story would be, you know, even just and, do promo, he didn't have to wear yeah. matches, did he? Just show up in another place, show up in TNA, you know, do anything, you know, anything. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was a real disappointment. So we get into some like convoluted stuff here. So Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. becomes champion through a tournament. Yeah, um, and then he loses it to what to John Cena, um, mm-hmm. and then we have so this is on Raw that Cena mm. returns, or sorry, that Punk that. returns because Cena's having a, a champion celebration. Um, mm. And then Triple H rears his head. Uh, upholds like, so they're both claiming to be the legitimate champion. And then we get the match at SummerSlam to decide the undisputed WWE champion. I think mm. I have this right, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a mess, and they made Rey Mysterio look like garbage in the, on the on the way to it as well. And, and it you know, gets worse. The thing. Oh, go on. Sorry. Well, I was no, just going to say- do the, the next bit that he does then do lose it. the championship minutes later to Del Rio, who cashes in Money in the Bank after Kevin Nash. We do love Kevin Nash, have to say, but Kevin Nash attacks CM Punk. I love Kevin Nash, but the one thing Summer Kevin Punk Nash. didn't need was Kevin Nash sticking the winner. Like, no, or the loser, or however it went. Like, yeah, I, I'll take anything Kevin Nash does in wrestling, but not this. Um, yeah. Even at that time, you know, 2011, 10 years ago, nobody expected Kevin Nash to be in major feuds in WWE. Nobody expected the Summer of Punk to suddenly become about a Triple H Kevin Nash feud, but that's kind of what happened. Um, it was a complete. Com- yeah, complete mess. Even Punk's coming back to WWE, you know, he came back and had Cult of Personalities as theme, which he had used yes. in ROH prior, which is, you know, a constant through his career now. This is it. We're in the Cult of Personality era. Definitely. But even that, though, the fact that he came back with an entrance music and a shiny title belt, it was like, oh, so he works for the company. Cool. We signed a new contract. We're not even going to stretch this out and make him this rebel. And then, yeah, the Buckham is terrible running into that show. And yeah, Kevin Nash is just the kicker. I always feel like Finns has an idea in his head that um, now I'm not talking about Steve Austin because Steve Austin was different because like Steve Austin was against Vince McMahon, but Vince mm. always has an idea that something against the company would be really good. a la the NWO. And mm. I feel like 
he gets this idea and then he gets five minutes into it and it's just like no wait like no like you can't have anyone like not liking us or disrespecting us you know what i mean like he he'll never follow through on anything that's like truly doing a storyline against the company because it's mm-hmm. like he either it's a bit like you know when triple h wouldn't let kurt angle do a storyline with stephanie mcmahon because he was like what but what girl would pick kurt angle though like yes vince mcmahon feels <laughs> like that about wwe <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. Like Vince, it's like for 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 those who weren't around at the time, there was a, a one of my favorite like storylines, but it wasn't long enough. Was when there was this whole thing going on between Stephanie and Kurt. Then at one point, Stephanie gets knocked out during a match. Kurt carries her back, and like they have a kiss and everything. But mm. Triple H, in real life, decides that this has to be next. Because what girl would pick Kurt Angle over him? So we never get this great storyline that's been built up. Um, and he isn't this the time where he also says that like Kurt Angle, um, like didn't he? Of course he would beat Kurt Angle because look at them. And then I think it's like Gerald Briscoe that's like, why don't you guys fight now and we'll see who wins? Fight for real, see who wins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that might be Kurt. And also, I yeah. think most women would probably pick Kurt. I don't know. I, I, maybe you can uh, you can say, but I, I don't think Kurt Angle's a bad looking fella. You know, at least in his day. No, but the thing is, like, even if he like wasn't hotter than Triple H, at least it's like okay, this guy's like an Olympic gold medalist and stuff, and. Yeah. The storyline was set up that they had like a friendship. Yeah. So it was that like a off anyway, like, yeah. So that's a you know like I'm sure a lot of girls would like you know fall for a guy that they've kind of become friends with in that way. So it's not mm. even as if it was about like who's hotter or whatever. Anyway, that mm. was all to say that Triple H feels like no Vince McMahon feels that way about WWE, and that's why he won't do cool storylines. Yeah. So we have Kevin Nash talking to Emmy Lucid. <laughs> then Punk accuses Nash of conspiring with Triple H to keep him away from WWE Championship, as mm. if that would ever happen. Um, then we get Nash and Punk demand to face each other at Night of Champions, um, which Triple H says yes, but then Punk makes verbal attacks towards him and Stephanie. Um, so Triple H books himself to replace Nash. Night of Champions, Punk loss, and no disqualification match to Triple H. Clued in the middle. After Nash, The Miz, and R-Truth attack both men. Then The Miz and R-Truth, what a a team here, attack Punk (laughs) at Hell in a Cell. When he loses a triple threat Hell in a Cell match to Del Rio. Then he teams with Triple H against The Miz and Truth at Vengeance. But they lost once again due to... A Nash interference. This time he attacked Triple H. Then he becomes from being like anti Triple H, he's then anti anti John Laurinaitis, who then is the interim uh, Raw General Manager. <laughs> so I know I like rushed through that, but for you as the next chapter after Summer of Punk, how disappointing was that? Some of the names that I mentioned there being involved is unbelievable like how what a layup like what a layup of a storyline so easy to, to run with your punk's red hot at this point and you know all of that led stuff everything you just said led to a ladder match between kevin nash and triple h a ladder match kevin nash can't i love kevin nash but he can't walk at the best of N- times never mind climb a ladder twitter I he love is kevin like, nash woke well. man on twitter amazing handsome mm-hmm. man like i love him 
But like, <laughs> it's just, listen, listening to that list of names, as Sean says, what a mess. What an absolute freaking mess. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we'll go on like uh, kind of briefly because it's not like one of the biggest things, but he does end up in a feud with Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um, which starts um, when Chris Jericho attacks Punk and, and Daniel Bryan during a champion versus championship match, which then that gives Bryan the win. Then um, Jericho uh, dismisses the whole roster as imitations of himself, but singles out Punk for calling himself the best in the world, which is mm-hmm. what Jericho used to call himself when he was in the last time he was in WWE. Uh, they get to Elimination Chamber when Punk retains the title. Um, but uh, four competitors were eliminated. Jer- Jericho was unable to continue the match after being kicked out of the chamber by Punk, causing um, a temporary injury. Then, the next night of Raw, Jericho earns a match against Punk at WrestleMania. Then, we get, like, quite the storyline here, guys. Uh, this is, I watched this, re-watched this storyline um, pretty recently, and you rewatched some of it with me too, Benno, so yeah. you're well up in this. Uh, so, Jericho says that Punk's father is an alcoholic and that his sister is a drug addict. Um, and then that Punk's just straight edge because he's <laughs> paranoid. So, in the feud, we have... Um, so, yeah, they get the WrestleMania match. Um, and then they have a match again at Extreme Worlds uh, was the mm. next one. Mm. So, I thought this feud, like, I really, really enjoyed the in-ring stuff. There's the the promo stuff. Um, I, it's an interesting thing to say, like rather than like your straight edge, just because of of this, like to try and take away some of like the um, like the nobility of like just making that decision, but instead put it on like your straight edge because of these like demons that you don't want to have. Uh, there is a really interesting skit about punk going. I was going to mention this. <laughs> Right, tell this part of the story. Where does Punk? It's somewhere in England, and Jericho accuses Punk of having a pint. Yeah, like they, they shoot like this hidden camera footage of a hood-clad CM Punk sheepishly going in and then out to like a pub in like the middle of like it looked like the English countryside. I think it, it looked was. like the middle of nowhere. He's in this pub. Yeah, yeah. on his own. Like and, and then apparently Punk cuts the promo on road, doesn't he? Like, oh, I just went in there for a fish and chips. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's just like it's brilliant. That storyline was. You know, I didn't have huge memories of it until we rewatched it, and it, it was yeah. good. I mean, I remember, obviously remember I the best of the world. Really good. This is best of the world stuff, but the alcoholism side of it, it got a little bit hokey at times. But mm-hmm. I think it kind of, you know, it made it a bit more personal and uh, and gave it more juice than maybe I would have given credit for without rewatching it recently. Yeah, I I, th- I thought it was really good. I thought Jericho was a great opponent um, for mm-hmm. Punk. Um, I think like they they had good like similarities between each other when you saw them in the ring. Um, mm. And I think that the extreme rules match is better than the WrestleMania match. Agreed. Um, yeah. I, and it's the extreme rules one where he jumps into the crowd at the end. Like he does. Those yeah. His friends, um, exactly. Like he did in rampage. It's really, really cool. Uh, so yeah, yeah I recommend seeking out like those uh, Jer- two Jericho punk matches at WrestleMania. Um, mm. And um the one at Extreme Rules. They both get, oh. they both get like not great mania entrances. That's just like a side note. It was um, wow. where was the mania? It was somewhere like really outdoors, and they 
it, they just like the audio and how the fireworks go off it just doesn't work for either of them because it, it must have been like miami or somewhere because it was the one yeah. with the palm trees wasn't it where yeah, they were blocking yeah. half of the people's there's view um and that was the thing as well this was world champion punk against jericho best in the world versus best in the world and wasn't the main event folks <laughs> it was uh and that was the story that's the other you know part of punk's runners runs as champion during this period he was never last on he was always second to last yes he was always undermined by you know whether it was cena rock understandably or it was whatever else cena was doing or maybe something triple h was doing it was yeah that I was think around this point is like the best point to, to really bring that up like punk's frustrations of not being in the main event because so mm. we just described that he does this hot as um hell like summer of punk storyline um, so he he like comes off that, and then when we get to this point, as you said, he but he has this feud with Chris Jericho. Um, mm. Chris Jericho obviously being like one of WWE's biggest stars and kind of longest tenured stars, and they do a feud that's like based around alcoholism, and mm. yet this isn't enough to get them in the main event. <laughs> so you can really kind of see why CM Punk would be proper frustrated, but uh, I mean. We all know how how this story ends. So let's move on from Jericho. And we have the introduction of The Shield. Roman Reigns, mm. Dean Ambrose, and Seth Rollins. So mm. they interfere um, in a match between CM Punk and uh, Cena um, on Survivor Series. Um, and it seems like he's like they come in as like his little team or something, like his little helpers. Mm. Yeah, that was the original idea. So we yeah. mentioned... Um... Chris Hero earlier, didn't we? Yeah. So Punk was looking for like a a group of guys who'd be like his backup, and he literally, you know, he he himself picked Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Chris Hero, like three indie guys, three guys with indie pedigree, and WWE WWE was like, love your idea, but let's just switch out Chris right. Hero for yeah for younger young Joe Anoya, uh, Roman Reigns, um, and that's how he ended up. So was Punk was it with Heyman then at this point? Well, are they introduced Heyman at that point? Because I feel like Heyman was involved so. in there reveal um, this is so this is the beginning of um punk and, uh, and roman reigns uh, a long-running mm. uh real life feud it seems here mm. um i have <laughs> to say though i i this is like i'm gonna say something really controversial here like that might that might get me kicked off the internet um one of my least favorite wrestlers is chris hero so i cannot speak against them replacing chris hero with with roman reigns i gotta say i mean i mean i know i made fun of chris hero's name earlier but like i am a chris hero fan yeah as a fanboy, i would have liked to see chris hero in the role i don't think with with hindsight you can argue against it like roman reigns became the star he, he, he was meant to be and he is the star he was meant to be now incredible main event performer now as a heel um i'll give them that one that one was the right call so we got the shield stuff going on. Then mm. we have Dwayne. Dwayne enters the picture. Mm. <laughs> you are also a big Dwayne fan. Yeah. How did you feel about punk and rock being orbiting together here? It felt like something that I'd never see. Like you know, CM Punk, the indie guy against the rock, you know, especially at that point with the rock being the, you know, and he, as he is now. Uh, the yeah. biggest movie star in the world um yeah i loved it um it was a great use of punk you know in this period of 
you know, we can go toe to toe with Rock. Okay, yeah, we we did see in our last WrestleMania, and obviously we can talk about that. They had they were heading towards another match with uh, with Cena, which Punk was happy about um, for, for to be the WrestleMania main event. But you know, if you needed, you had that extra date on Rock. You had the Rumble. You know, who could he have worked? Presumably at that point, this is where you laugh when you know our truth cuts interviews saying that him and Miz were bigger stars than Punk during this period, or you know, like like it could have been anyone else. Punk yeah. was absolutely the guy to get in there with The Rock at the Rumble. He could match him in promos. There was a bit of a mismatch, just I think physically. Rock looks so yeah. much bigger than Punk, but I think yeah. Punk had a, a better engine, um, and you can give him the the cardio win in that Rumble match as well. And then, I absolutely yeah loved um, the little little mini program they did with them too um, from from the Rumble into I think Elimination Chamber the uh, the month after it was two of my favorites of all time going back and forth and the matches were pretty good too um, and it was something I never thought I'd see. I think it's just it is cool that he's got that on his uh, resume working with working with Dwayne there uh, mm. two actors uh, two. Um, full-time actors uh, wrestling mm. together always mm. nice to see so we mm. are coming we're coming to the end of his wwe um run here we get into like the final year he gets a wrestlemania match with the undertaker so this match comes fall like after the death of paul bearer and we get some urn stuff here where paul mm. bearer's Correct me if I'm wrong, Paul Bearer's ashes are in the urn and CM Punk steals the urn and The Undertaker wants his friend's ashes back. I think that's the story. That That is yeah. actually the story. Um, I, I, I think with this, you can feel Punk's real-life frustration bubbling over. You, know, you mentioned yeah. last WrestleMania where he's not the main event. This WrestleMania, he 100% should... Like I, I'll argue with Dave Meltzer about it because Dave Meltzer felt strongly about it at the time. Punk <laughs> argued for him to be in a three-way with Cena and Rock in the main event. And they even teased it on a couple of Raws in the build to WrestleMania. Now, Cena and Rock did great money at WrestleMania, slightly less than the year before because it was a rematch. I don't think it would have done less money with Punk in it. I think it would have been the wise move. Yeah, it could have. It could have. And it would have been a fresh guy in there who might not have then left the company later on, who could have been a new top guy who you would have automatically, yeah. you know, associated at that top level with Cena and Rock. And instead it didn't happen and they went with the rematch. And this was like Punk's, you know, it was like, well, yeah, but cool. You get to do a match with The Undertaker. And get, he made lemons out of it. You know, it was a fun yeah. feud. And they used the, the the Paul Bearer stuff, whether you agree with that morally or not, you know, considering he had mm-hmm. literally just, just died. But they did use it well. Punk was very good as the heel here. Heyman was very good in this period as well as um, Punk's second and them two being kind of a despicable double act. And they made the most out of it. But what happened at the end? Undertaker beats Punk 1, 2, 3. And there we go. Another big a WrestleMania loss for Punk when... Really, by rights, he should have been in the main event by uh, by my standards. The Undertaker stuff is super interesting because, you know, I'm a, a long-time Undertaker fan. Um, I think that this Punk um, feud is one of his better later career feuds. Um, Agreed. But I do think that it's a bit like the like WrestleMania moment um, idea. A lot of people make um, a really big thing out of getting a WrestleMania match um, with The Undertaker. And you just have to, like, read the list of people that have got one. Um and it's really like you know you have your Shawn Michaels, uh, <laughs> you you have like the you, your Shawn Michaels moments and stuff like that. But uh, if you really like look at the list, the thing about the streak is that he was on a win streak, and a win streak they didn't realize he was on uh, for many years anyway. Yeah. So 
It's like Punk wants the main event. I think he would have been... It's so interesting to think about how stuff might have gone for Punk if you put him in the main event because WrestleMania, think of all like the publicity and stuff that you're doing for WrestleMania. And I think that would have given him like an even better exposure to put him out there talking, you know, like Cena and like The Rock and given it him an opportunity, like them an opportunity more to see like how much interest there actually is in this like cm punk guy and how much he can take off i think he was kind of never given that fully uh opportunity and that would have been a really good place for him to do it but he did as you say he made lemons out of this thing with the undertaker um i was glad he had paul Heyman on his side in this point because it's so weird to think that he is paul Heyman because you associate paul Heyman being with people that can't talk like brock yeah but they worked really well um especially doing this feud with the undertaker yeah, definitely. I think people people always bring up the you know the bit before my time, but Heenan and Bochwinkle is a similar thing comparison yeah. people make. And I wouldn't have put Heyman with Punk because, like you say, he can talk for himself. He didn't need Heyman, but you know what? It did advance the act, didn't it? And we're having the yeah. two of them being able to talk, and you know, it, it made Punk feel like an even bigger star. It gave Heyman something to do, you know, aside from Brock when Brock wasn't around. I thought they were a money money double act, and yeah, I think the the peak of their double act probably was this period. So when we, like, further on in 2013, you get him mixing it up with um, the Wyatts coming into the picture. You get Daniel Bryan in there. Um, there's a lot of stuff between him and Kane, who was director of operations. And I feel like sometimes um, the sign of things uh, going down the hill is a feud with yeah. Kane. As soon as Definitely. Kane comes up, uh, you know, it, it ain't good news. It ain't good news unless you're the Undertaker, basically. The, no. the only person that can feud with Kane. So that really takes us uh, like to the end of um, 2013. Uh, he does have a, he's in a three-on-one handicap match against the Shield at TLC. Um mm. Punk wins because Roman Reigns accidentally spears Dean Ambrose. Uh, but then we get more Kane. More Kane. <laughs> and then we end up January 26th, 2014. And Kane made um, uh, Punk enter the Royal Rumble here um, first. Um, and then... This ends up being so he get he gets choke slammed uh, through a table through a table, and who would have thought that this appearance of Punk would be the last time we'd see him in WWE ever? So this rumble is also marked by people chanting for Daniel Bryan and booing Rey Mysterio, and it ends <laughs> up being the day that CM Punk decides he's gone. Could you believe it? So I, I like there's no point going into this Royal Rumble match or whatever. It's it's just a whole whatever thing. So I remember um hearing that this was it. So I, I was very, very back into WWE at this point. Like I'd always been watching it, but then I got like super, super into it. Um and this was one time that I started reading like a lot more things on the internet. And I was first getting into podcasts, and this was the best possible time to first get into podcasts because then I got to find out that CM Punk had walked away from WWE and mm. spent so much time trying to like find out information on what had happened and how it had gone down. Um, and this was like, I think one of the most interesting like news stories in my time as a wrestling fan that I could actually follow. Uh, so what did you think? Like, did you believe he was gone? How did you feel right now? Yeah, I think, um, 
believed he was gone, but believed he'd come back. You know, yeah. thought, ah, you know, he's done this before, hasn't he? You know, remember, but I think remember when he came back because that's the thing is the end of his WWE run. He even just looked disheveled, didn't he? You know, with the crap yeah. sideburns and just yeah. he looked out of shape and he looked like he didn't want to be there. But he'd taken time off and he came back a couple of times. So you just assume that's the case. And, you know, we had the conversation about it the other day. You know, uh, Brian had become the new punk at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Brian was the more the voice of the voiceless. Punk, what was his role? Like you say, he was feuding with Bloody Kane. <laughs> and that's, that is just never good. The, and soon the Daniel Bryan would get to as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh God, yeah, the, the very, uh, very uh, similar uh, Punk and uh, and Bryan's career trajectories. But yeah, yeah it, 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 things just weren't good for him in WWE. But it felt like they'd been bad for him before, and he and he always came back. That was my expectation. Yeah, he'll be back in a couple of months. Um, but <laughs> little did I know. I felt super sorry for him. Um, mm. I really enjoyed the idea of being like fuck you, I'm going home to WWE. So oh. I did think I did think that made him even cooler. But mm. then, like, this selfish part of me wanted to see him back in WWE because this, this period is one of the more recent periods that I remember really liking and I remember a lot from. And mm. you had Punk in there, and we started all the Brian stuff. Like, there, there was the Brian Wyatt stuff and then the – whole yes movement the, the authority fight that leads us to that huge wrestlemania um mm. and i almost felt like once they they started with brian um it was like a fuck you to punk when they mm. you know giving brian the the wrestlemania match that he deserved but also you do wonder like what would have happened if punk had stayed um as mm. far as like the daniel bryan things go like it was mm. it was quite the time for him to leave but it is interesting that he left when there was another kind of uh, anti WWE hero that was really taking off as well so really the next thing to talk about is the Colt Cabana podcast because mm. that's the next big thing um I remember when this dropped I remember listening to it immediately then I remember phoning my mom to like regurgitate the entire podcast to her not that she cared by the way she just has to hear all this stuff um it was it was a shocking listen yeah and i think it it would really riled up probably like the most anti wwe sentiment that i had felt uh in a long time because by this point we could be certain that they actually weren't gonna go with Daniel Bryan <laughs> with everything mm -hmm. like that had happened there so there was definitely sourness with like how they treated Bryan after he became champion and all this stuff and just generally like how they behaved but the punk podcast was amazing and I didn't yeah. believe it was real what do, <laughs> what do you think Oh yeah, I mean the the second that thing dropped, or I found out about it, you know, two minutes into my shift in work, I downloaded that thing and I had my headphones in, and I don't think I did a, a lick of work that day. But the thing for me was, I did believe it because, you know what, everything he said, I was like, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I didn't believe that it was real oh, that he that it about it. I believe everything CM Punk says. Sorry, oh, that, carry on. A, I no, don't want to no, be no. misrepresented uh, to the <laughs> no. IWC. Carry on. <laughs> No, that's a, that's a thing though. Yeah, the fact that it was his best friend's podcast that he well at the yeah. time that he that he went on and did um, is unbelievable. 
but yeah, everything he said in, in it, as you say, there was all of the opinions you think CM Punk would believe. Yes, yeah. he hated Triple H. Yes, Always they treated them like when crap. Someone, when someone admits that they don't like Triple H after leaving. Oh, it's just, it was so cathartic to listen to it, wasn't it? Because he was saying all the things we were saying, you know, and even threw a line in there, and they're messing up Daniel Bryan now as well. They're doing the same thing they did with me, you know. He's yeah. the guy, why aren't they pushing him? And, you know, he talked about the WrestleMania match with Triple H, like that was a big deal. And, like, I loved all of that stuff. The stuff about his injury, the fact that, you know, they they were trying to take money from him and not, and not pay him for, you know, money that they owed him. The fact that they fired him on his wedding day. There was so much material in there, and it was just... It was an unbelievable listen, like one of the greatest podcasts of all time, wasn't it? And like yeah. the the biggest news story at the time. And you couldn't help but listen to it and nod and go, this man is right. And this man should not be in WWE. And, you know, F that company. I hope he, I hope he never goes back. I want to see him wrestle again. But I genuinely hope he never finds himself back in that, that position again. Mm-hmm. So... Well, just quickly, because I really uh, want to talk about like the the present day CM Punk, uh, and we're 20 minutes away from Dynamite, guys. We had a lot to talk about CM Punk here. Um, mm-hmm. The Wilderness Years, um, UFC, Fox, how did it make you feel about Punk? Did, he, did it lower him in your mind at all? Or I remember watching him lose in UFC and watching that on a bus. Uh, on my way home from work once, just being really sad that um, that he'd lost his fight. Uh, but yeah, the Fox thing, I didn't understand why he did the Fox thing. I, I to this day don't understand why why he did that. But it wasn't yeah. WWE, but it was. Mm. Yeah, I think the um, the UFC thing didn't lessen me in my eyes. He was following a no. dream. Yeah, he shouldn't have been in UFC. You know, he should have been in a lower level MMA company. You know, fighting yeah. bums like he was not a, an MMA fighter. But God love him for trying. I was there, stayed up late for Indeed. all his for all his fights. You know, I'd, yeah. I'd tweet out CM Punk, and then thirty seconds later, you'd be like, oh, oh well. Um, it was a sad, it was a sad experience watching it. The the the, the Fox show though did lower, his, you know, for a time, lower my my estimation of him in some ways. It was mm-hmm. not the way we wanted CM Punk to come back to wrestling. It wasn't the no. way we wanted cult of personality to hit once again and to make a shock return. He looked uncomfortable. The shows themselves were terrible. You know, yeah. he shared. He, sharing screen time with some of the worst bootlickers in media like it was not it wasn't a role for cm punk he's having to like find ways to say that there were positives about you know roman reigns getting dog food pulled over him on smackdown and um, he wasn't a real analyst he wasn't a fox employee he was a fox employee but it was a WWE show still um let's pretend it didn't happen you know i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of putting it to the back of my mind and i worry that it would ruin his eventual combat to wrestling i can safely say it didn't but I still think mm-hmm. it was a bad period and a and a missed call from a, from my favorite wrestler of all time. I don't want to criticize him too much. You know, look. we love you, CM Punk. <laughs> we just, you know, we, we didn't need, we didn't need the Fox stuff, but no. people do. You know, people people do strange things. I wonder if he like maybe I'm just trying to make up reasons to justify it. Um, uh, to be a CM Punk bootlicker, but maybe if he maybe he just thought there was a bit of like freaking dark humor on it. Like mm. I'm gonna, hey WWE, I'm gonna go to this show and you can't stop me. But I don't think it worked out that he had um, as much maybe like autonomy, autonomy. as he wanted to. Mm. And it's the people he was on there with. I mean, 
let's let's say a positive thing about the Fox show that is going to lead us into our next conversation. The positive thing is that he was uh, with Renee Young there and he credits Renee Young as making him want to come back to wrestling. So if anything, what the Fox show did, I mean, he wasn't going to want to come back to wrestling talking to Booker T, but he was um, with Renee Young because she's uh, he just thought she was a great person. And let's get to then Rampage in Chicago. CM Punk comes back. I mean, we have talked a lot about like what we thought was going to happen, all that stuff. Uh, but for this show, we, you know, it happened. And tell us your real, raw, honest feelings of that moment, Benno. I cried, and you know that. Um, <laughs> it was uh, genuinely emotional. You know that that second when Cult of Personality hit, and it was all of a sudden real. And he came out with, you know, the emotion written all over his face and, mm -hmm. you know, hit his knees and everything about that entrance, you know, every moment of it. You mentioned the jumping in the crowd earlier, the circle in the ring, just the fact that it was a real moment with, you know, in Chicago yeah. you know, with that loud reaction. It, it satisfied me as well because in, in his time away, it felt like, in fact, definitely felt like, you know, Punk's love of wrestling have kind of been booted out of him and he didn't want to talk about wrestling while. And you could see it written on his face that, you know, that love was back and that he was, I was worried that he was going to come to AEW and be a, do it for a paycheck. You know what I mean? It was going to be, yeah. you know, okay, I can do this wrestling thing again. You could tell he was where he belonged. And that was my biggest feeling coming out of it. And that's probably what made me, made me well up a little bit myself. Um, yeah. that, it, that that was, this is where CM Punk always should have been. Look, AEW is... CM Punk's personality as a wrestling company is absolutely AEW. If you ask me, he should have been there sooner, but he's there, he's yeah. here now. It's the best possible fit for him. And like I feel like he had a big part to do with why, you know, an AEW could even exist in the first place. Hi, Prius here from uh, Harry. It was worth staying up for before a 22 hour day in Manchester. Yes. <laughs> we Rep both know that Harry feeling, Harry. <laughs> we know the feeling. Yes, indeed. Um we uh, Walter, sorry, he says it just felt like wrestling was back. And I think that's a really, really nice way to put it. Um, you guys mm. all know uh, how I reacted to it. I, I, I cried as well. Um, it was wonderful. Mm. It, you know, it didn't feel real, but it was real. It actually happened. The AEW set it up amazingly by not confirming it, but putting all the hints out. We all knew it was going to happen. They executed it beautifully, um, mm. and it's one of the most memorable. Uh, things I've ever seen on TV. So we have CM Punk's first match is coming up this Sunday and it's mm. against Darby Allen. What do you think of the choice of young Darby as the first opponent for CM Punk in AEW? And who would have been your choice um, when you came in? When he came in, sorry. Yeah, I think I'll qualify this by saying I think I'm wrong now. But my okay. choice would have been, wouldn't have Darby? I would like to, and I still want to see it. I want to see Punk go back and forth on the mic with, you know, Moxley or MJF or even Jericho or, you know, somebody like that. I would yeah. like to see that CM Punk. I want to see the CM, pipe bomb CM Punk with a mic in his hand, you know, venomously going after whoever the heel is. However, you know, this being such a happy moment as return that we're all living through still right now. Mm -hmm. Darby, you know, as the young equivalent, you know, punk adjacent kind of guy 
works, doesn't it? You know, right now yeah. we don't need CM Punk getting angry on the microphone. We don't need him, you know, wanting to to rage against the machine. We just want to see CM Punk wrestle again. And I've got a little bit of concern about how the match will look with Punk, you know, admitting himself he's not been training much and Darby being a very athletic wrestler. But Darby's going to be going out there to kill himself to get this thing over. Punk's going to know that, you know, that the eyes of the world are on him. I've still got faith they'll, they'll pull it out. So, yeah, any any concern I have maybe is gone now. Um, and I actually agree with it. I think, you know, do this match first. Then we'll do the blood feuds. And the blood feuds should come because that's when Punk's mm-hmm. at his best. But right now, exhibition-y style, you know, everyone's happy saying Punk is back in wrestling type match. I'm absolutely, you know, quite happy with it now. Um, I think Darby's a super good op- opponent. Um, he is the person I picked that I wanted to be his opponent in um, a, a joking yet serious tweet that uh, Darby, he, he to me is like CM Punk's successor, but he actually has a company behind him um, mm-hmm. because Tony Khan isn't going to like not want to promote Darby Allen because of what he looks like or because he doesn't understand it. Like Tony Khan's actually said in interviews, he's got nothing in common with Darby Allen, but he understands uh, that Darby Allen has stuff in common with a lot of people. So mm. why not like push him? And he's Darby's so over with the fans in such a cool way, like little kids putting VS pin on. And I think that it would have seemed because CM Punk's entrance, uh, his return was so real so emotional and so believable doing any kind of feud like him being interrupted by mjf or something would have just been totally hokey and i yeah. don't think there was enough time to build up some something that actually made you think that cm punk hit it some other wrestler yeah. whether it be a young guy or moxie or jericho so i think it was best just to go with darby because then you have the natural storyline of like the the younger version of me i'm gonna give him a match and yeah yeah, that's it. I think it works. And, you know, going to something even like an Omega right away, I've heard people say, hey, it's not the time. We'll get Punk Omega one day, and I'm excited for it. But in hindsight, yeah, you know, Darby is the right child. Yeah. So before we before we sign off, like, top three, like, people you want to see CM Punk face and pick one Ooh. of them as the person you want to see next. Interesting. Um, I think Kenny's got to be in there um, as a punk match at some point. Yeah. Who else is in there? Um, definitely. I, I'll be. You know, I don't. Re- I don't know if I necessarily the match itself will be amazing, but I, I do want to see him and MJF go back and forth in promos. Um, yeah. I'll throw a third one in Eddie Kingston. Like that. That's two guys that go way back. Um, that's two killer promos. Think of the indie history you could you could bring up with those two. Like that's a personal one. It's not high on the list. But it is something, yeah, maybe personally I'd really enjoy. Um, next, I'd, I think I'd go to MJF. I'd go to something like that. Um, I'd go to something where Punk can dig his heels in and, uh, and cut some venomous program uh, promos with uh, MJF moving away from Jericho. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, th- I think that would be a would be a, a good good fit for Punk as a as a character if uh, they're keeping him as babyface for the uh, the time being, which I'm sure they should. Yeah, I think with Babyface Punk, um, MJF is the, the best. He's the most opposite of, of Punk, um, mm. personality-wise. MJF is a good promo. Not sure mm. like if it's going to be a great, great in-ring match, but I think MJF mm. would be a good, uh, a good guy, especially as MJF moves away um, from Jericho, which is, will be happening at All Out. Um, mm. And uh, who else? Uh, I'm not that, like... I'm not pining much for him and Moxley. Um, mm. Him and Omega. That would have been my fourth. 
him and Omega is something that has to happen. Um, something else I thought of, but we can't do it now because it wouldn't be right. Um, and uh, CM Punk going back to his like, I'm better than you because I'm straight edge thing against Hangman Page, uh, who likes to drink. Would be oh, cool wow. Maybe that's, that's another great step. Punk. Maybe that's how you get Punk in the title picture eventually. You give Hangman his moment. And then CM Punk just fucking turns heel, cuts a promo, and he's like, I don't want to be in a promotion where the champions are drunk. And then, like, this starts this feud. I love that. <laughs> That's yeah. Brilliant. Let's do that. Let's do that. Like, it, we're gonna, it's going to take some time for the punk ovations yes. to end. But once yes. they do, oh, I'm all, I'm all on board for that. Well, um, Tony, you can send me a check. Thank you. Uh, that <laughs> would be a great one. Um, I do want to see him uh, with Jericho again. I think there's a different story you can tell there. Um, I, I think you could definitely like blend in some real life stuff with Jericho being um, the guy who actually did uh, take the risk on AEW. Uh, I think yeah. you could put that into a storyline with you know Jericho saying, I did the work uh, here two years ago, I made this company legitimate, and now you've like come in for the glory. That kind of thing. I think they could do a good storyline together. I think they have some. I think they have good chemistry together, and I think they're pretty believable as people that might, might not be best friends, uh, which is always I good. Agree. Because I feel like him and Moxley seem like they might be like good friends in real life, but you never know with Punk. Um, mm. You know, like how he'd actually feel towards people. But yeah, I think like there's just the options are endless, and we're not even talking about the fact that we will soon have Daniel Bryan. We might have Adam Cole. We might even have. Wyndham Rotunda, you know, it's the possibilities <laughs> of who I know that one doesn't excite you so much, but the way that it, the possibilities of who are coming in, uh, of, of who could be coming in, are like amazing. And you look at this roster, there's I'd love to see CM Punk wrestle many, you know, more of those guys. There's, there's guys that uh, aren't even. I think that uh, Sammy Guevara and CM Punk would be great, you know, like oh, yeah. maybe give that a while, but. Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks, yeah. You know, my 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 guy Wardlow. There's so much <laughs> you can do with him. It's not as if he's coming into like a, a small roster. It's just it's amazing mm. the roster he's he's coming into. And as we said, we're not even talking about Daniel Bryan right now. Um mm. You know, run so, so many people. Um, mm -hmm. Like, uh, before we go, I'll just read out a couple uh, of the, the chat room's comments. Um uh, uh, Ethan Page says, oh, Walter, um, I, I I feel like it wouldn't work for Ethan now. It might be too close to like kind of the stuff he did with Darby to then he mm. move on to Punk. I think that would be kind of strange. Uh, Alistair Black, sorry, Malachi Black, Tommy End. Uh, that is a good fit. Tommy End said on Talk is Jericho that he's written out storylines with like so many people in the roster, and I'm just interested <laughs> to just see his notebook. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Know Tune into his Twitch, you'll hear. Miro for a babyface punk. Miro against anyone is great. Like yes. absolutely anyone. Good, good promos there. Uh, 2022 is when you pull the trigger on the big matches with Mox and Omega, says Walter. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like agreed. Um, uh, and yeah, there we go. So we're only a couple of minutes away from tonight's Dynamite, which will feature an appearance from CM Punk. I can't believe that this this is just a normal thing now. CM Punk is just one of the boys. He's just one of the boys <laughs> turning up on Dynamite. He doesn't even have a match. He's just turning up. 
He's just turning up. It is in Chicago, though, so I'm pretty sure that uh, it was easy for him to get to the arena. Uh, so all <laughs> night, so it'd be p- pretty shitty not for him to turn up tonight. But anyway, um, thank you guys so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you um, maybe learned something about CM Punk or just got to express yourself when it comes to CM Punk. Um, and I just hope you feel happy, like in a happy mood, because the one thing that Punk has brought back to wrestling is that there's a lot of joy around right now. Uh, a lot of really, really happy, happy um, people and and enjoy so it's nice to keep that going and i just thought it'd be nice to like just take some time to just talk about punk um and how we feel about him and punk fandoms and all that stuff so it was really nice to hear some of you guys comments um about punk and your memories of punk and your future hopes of punk and all that and it was amazing to have you here benno there was no better person to do this with because uh you know everything there is to know about CM Punk. Uh, so thank you so, so much for joining me. Please tell the people where they can find you and if they want to hear more about the Summer of Punk. Oh, thank you very much. Um, pleasure as always. One of my favourite uh, podcasts I've done this. Uh, get me in a room talking CM Punk and I'm happy. Um, CM Punk Correspondence, Juthies, if you want me, uh, tweet me at Benson Richard A. Um, my main podcast is uh, is the Grapple Podcast, Grapple Spotlight. Um, yes. You can say that on all podcast platforms. As you mentioned, we did a Summer of Punk 2005 episode on our Patreon, patreon.com yeah, slash grapple. Awesome. That's- with Noe. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, that was another fun trip down memory lane for me. But yeah, search that grapple with Noe. Um, and you can check that out too. But other than that, yeah, find me on Twitter at Benson Richie. Go follow Beto. Go subscribe to the Grapple Podcast. You never know when you'll hear me on that as well. Um, go yeah. subscribe to their Patreon. Guys, you know who I am. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel. And it is all out week. I have a lot of stuff coming up. Tomorrow, Thursday, it's AW Weekly. Of course, live talking about Dynamite. Friday, I will be joined by John Pollock from Post Wrestling. Yeah, John Pollock from Post Wrestling is going to be previewing all out with me. And I hope you all can join me and um, show, you know, give a great uh, welcome to John Pollock on this channel because he is just like the best in the business. And I'm so happy he's doing this. So, yeah, keep an eye on my Twitter, everything. If you're in London, come watch all out with me with Hooked on Wrestling. Other than that, guys, enjoy Dynamite. Uh, enjoy CM Punk and I will catch you next